Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Um, welcome to today's episode. We have a very special guest, a very good friend of mine, Crystal is here today, Dr. Crystal Frazzi. I'm so excited. We're so excited to have you on and you are an amazing resource for like literally everybody out there when it comes to burnout, how to recover, how to all of the things, giving yourself permission, compassion. You do like all of the things with that. And we are so excited to have you on, especially this time of year, um, because I feel like if we weren't burnt out already, we're on the train, like headed there <laughs> fast track style. Something about this time of year just really does it to everybody. And we're just so excited to have you here. And yeah. Yes. Thank you for coming. Yay. Thanks for inviting me. And I am honored to be here with you and your listeners today to talk about all the things they need to know about how they got to this place of exhaustion and how to prevent themselves from having more of it as we get to the end of the year. Let's start 2023 on a different note, right? Hell yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Do you want to start off by sharing some of your own experience with overcoming burnout? Sure. Yeah. I, uh, I'm in my forties and I'm also, I think important to say from the South. So I call myself a recovering Southern bell And, you know, I really grew up with this perception of all the women around me doing all the things. Um, They were all sort of the 1940s, 1950s housewives, but they also worked. And yet they kind of did everything. And I never really heard any of them complain. And somehow I thought that it was all like really normal. And, you know, fast forward, you know, as a high achieving, you know, high schooler, you know, on the super track in college classes by my my junior and senior year, you know, moving through college and getting a doctorate and getting married, having a family, and the whole way staying on that high achieving track of having this vision of how my life should be and like throwing everything at it to make sure I I had it. And, you know, all's going well for the most part until Um, you know, we had some unexpected changes in our lives and I was suddenly the primary breadwinner and literally doing all the things, um, almost as if I'm a single parent with, and we have no family support within like 13 hours. So two kids, um, have my own chronic health issues and it really just one day I woke up and I was like, wow, like what am I, why am I doing this? What is this for? Like, all of this pushing and all of this exhaustion and weariness. And it really got to a point where, um, you know, my babies now they're seven and almost five, but, but I was holding, um, you know, one of them as a, as a baby, baby, an infant. And I really just didn't feel this connection where previously and with my older child, I had felt this sort of almost like this invisible tether between my heart and hers And I could really just feel a sense of warmth and connection with her at any time. And I noticed that had faded and it really scared me and kind of woke me up to like, wow, what is this? Now, the irony for the listeners is that I, you know, I'm an expert in all of the things here with stress and stress recovery and stress resilience and female leadership and and all of that. And yet, you know, yet I, I, I miss some signs myself. So it was really valuable. Um, I really think that burnout or any stress-related illness that people face is such an opportunity. It's an opportunity to change your whole life, your identity, how you relate to the cues your body is giving you. And that's what it did for me. So I was already doing this work and I really was able to just 
radically like pivot to, to practice what I was preaching. And it, you know, has helped me get out of that and get into this place where I really am firmly knowledgeable of like my capacity and how it changes the different parts of my life. So it's a long story made really short. Um, not that long of a story, to be honest. We've had many, many longer stories, including our own, um, on the podcast. But thank you for sharing that. Um, because I know, you know, it's actually what you mentioned is kind of unique is you were already working in this field and then it was something that you started to struggle with. I think for a lot of people, especially people who get into the integrative health space, it's kind of the opposite, right? It's like they have these issues and they're like, whoa, like there are things that we can do to fix this outside of the traditional medical fields. So then it's like, oh, I'm super interested in this. And then we get into it, speaking from my own experience and Christina as well, right? Um, but one of the things that we love that you talk about all the time, speaking of, you know, becoming more knowledgeable and really tuning in to your body is you talk all the time about a body battery, right? So can you talk about like, what is that and how do we track it and how do we come more, become more attuned with like, wh okay, where is my charge at? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. If it's okay, I'd like to get there in like three steps. If, if we could back up a little bit first to talk about why we even need to talk about body battery, right? Like, why is that even important? Um, there's something that, that I've, I've coined the term perfection paradox, and this isn't something new to your listeners. You guys are just so great at bringing awareness to this already and the cultural condition conditioning that women face to, you know, especially around body image to, um, you know, fulfill all the roles, whatever those may be, whatever stage of life you are in, um, but to do it a certain way. And, you know, a lot of that's based on your family of origin, the culture that you're in, your local community, whatever media you consume, um, you know, if you're in relationships, your partner's expectations of you, um, all of that comes together to create this sort of unconscious identity that we're trying to push forward to create. So, you know, for me, it was... Um, being able to work full-time and still have a Martha Stewart worthy home and cook home cooked meals. Everything was handmade for my children, you know, um, doing all of the learning opportunities like Montessori style, um, maintaining my own friendships and, uh, professional growth and, 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 um, maintaining my, you know, physical body postpartum, um, like everything. Right. And I think that really just becoming aware of how does that come to be is so healing for people because the reason why we get so depleted is really this deeper underlying drive. And, you know, I think like every, me, the two of you, every listener here is smart, right? We've gotten to the place that we're at in life because we're intelligent, we're discerning, we're creative, we're courageous, right? And we can figure things out. We know when we're tired, right? Generally, why is it so hard to really manage the, the discrepancy between what's on our plate and the energy that we have to actually do it? right? And it's this unconscious thing. So for the listeners, I guess here is like an action step for you is just to sit down for five minutes with your journal and think about the women of your lineage. What did you watch them do? Did you watch them rest? Did you see them prioritize their true internal needs? Did they, you know, sacrifice and, you know, perform more of a, a selfless sort of role in your family than really embodying leadership in this way of being embodied. So just kind of get a sense of, of which, you know, which flavor you learned. And that can really give you a lot of self-compassion that so many people don't have the skills we're going to talk about because they've never seen them before. And I really believe, um, and I'm writing a book about this right now, we can talk about that later, but I really believe that this generation right now in this moment, we are changing the future. From now, 14 generations from here, they will look back at this generation and see that we turn the tide, that, you know, politically, economically, like we are positioned as women to be the ones that say, no, I'm listening to my body. I'm doing what it needs. And so, you know, that's kind of where I want to start, that it's hard and it's not your fault. And from here going forward, now you get to learn the skills and you get to pass them on, which is really exciting. 
The second thing I think is that, you know, I think because of what I call the perfection paradox, this ideal that, you know, culture has, has held us to this unrealistic, unachievable standard that we live in our minds. Like we're always in this, like from the shoulders or the neck up in our minds, literally, there's like not a client I've ever had that doesn't suffer from headaches, eye strain, neck pain, you know, and because we're so in our heads and really it's this cognitive, it's not what should I do because I can listen to this inner intuition and my body is giving me continuous messages that I understand. It's this cognitive evaluation of what am I afraid of if I don't do this, right? Well, I should push myself to do that because if I don't, then X, Y, or Z, I feel guilty. I'm afraid of letting someone else down. I'm afraid of what someone may criticize me or what they'll think of me. Now, again, like listeners, you're so smart and intelligent. I know that, you know, this is an unconscious thing, right? And I just want you to kind of soften if, if you feel offended with me saying that, that, I work with women in all industries, like executive founders, small business owners, healthcare providers. It's sort of a universal thing. So, you know, this is all of us. And the real opportunity is to just catch ourselves doing that and then start to go, okay, all right, that's what my mind says. Now, let me just take a second pause and just see if my body has anything to add to the conversation. And that that is something that might sound kind of esoteric, but it really is a life-changing skill. And where do you learn it? It's not school, not church. For me and most people, not your family of origin. So right here today, folks, this is where you're getting it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just that over-reliance on, on your mind. And, and starting with the things that Christina and Dana talk about often, which is your body is telling you, when are you thirsty? When do you need to go to the bathroom? you know, do you need to get up when your alarm goes off? Or maybe, you know, can you sleep a little longer? Should you go out tonight or should you cancel and get more rest? Right. Really, really basic things. You get an email request from someone. Do you say yes or no to this thing? Like really, really basic. And just noticing how do you make those decisions? Is it all on your mind, in your mind, or are you listening for cues from your body? But yeah, I think that stress in general, we're all living in it. It's, it's a normal thing, but stress in general is fatiguing, right? It takes a lot of energy for our body physiologically to deal with the effects of stress. And if we're always in high levels of stress over long periods of time, it really takes a toll on our body's ability to recover. Now that's, you know, musculoskeletal, you know, muscle strain, fatigue, your immune system, not bouncing back um, as it should. So if you're kind of always dealing with colds or this or that, you know, that's a sign that that's affecting you. Um, you know, mental recovery, just really feeling as creative and vibrant as you feel like you should. Um, you know, there's so many ways that this long-term stress can negatively affect you all the things also that are mentioned on other episodes like hormone dysfunction, including your stress hormones, really high cortisol, really low, terrible melatonin levels. Everything is out of whack throughout the middle of the day. Um, you know, your endocrine system plays a critical part here. But all of that is going to affect your energy. So next action step here for you listeners. Stress is normal. We got to have it. It's how you get up, get ready you know, deal with a difficult client, family member, you know, you, you critical think through things because stress is a positive thing in the short term. But if you really identify that, yeah, I've been at high levels of stress for a long period of time, really ask yourself if you also feel like the same amount of sleep or the same amount of rest is no longer as replenishing, like you're not recovering at the normal pace that you typically would and that's all the information that you need to know that this part that we'll talk about with the body battery is really critical for you to help you get back into a place of more resilience. So the body battery is kind of like, you know, you have a certain amount of physical, emotional, and mental energy at any given time. 
And ideally it's like your cell phone. You plug it in and overnight in the morning, you unplug it, you use it. You know, hopefully it's at hundred percent charge and then you use it. And depending on how you use it, like if you're streaming YouTube all day, you're going to deplete it really quickly. So depending on what function you have, the battery is going to last a certain, you know, period of time. And then there's ways that you can shift your use throughout the day so that it doesn't deplete as much, or you could even charge it up so that it gets all the way to the end of the day and your own capacity is exactly the same. And there's simple things that you can do that can improve your recovery and your resilience so that your body battery maintains a charge. So if you think about this morning when you woke up, and this is very subjective, but if you kind of said, okay, 0% charge is like the phone, like it, you tap the button and it's not even responding, it's black screen, nobody likes that. Um, and then 100% is like zippity doodah, I'm going to slay this day, right? I've got this. And you're kind of like, you know, bopping down the hallway, getting your day started, right? So where are you at? Like, where, where were you this morning? And there's no right or wrong answer, um, but start to get a sense of that, you know, at, at waking, where are you mid-morning after, you know, your first meal, a couple hours after that, where are you? Where are you after lunchtime? Where are you in the evening? And how are you before bed? Because I can tell you that the women that have come to me because they have been in the emergency room with what was thought to be a heart attack or a stroke or some other serious medical condition would have reported that they woke up exhausted. They needed coffee to even begin to start their day. They were slogging along like at lunchtime probably having a little bit more caffeine of some sort, either chocolate or, you know, one more cup of coffee or trying to go for a run to park themselves up. And then by nighttime, they were just like dragging in the house, you know, and they just had to get some wine. And then, you know, they're equally tired and wired at the same time. And they had to, you know, use substances or stay up so late that they kind of passed out, like to go to sleep and repeat that day after day. And sure, you are on track for, you know, severe burnout. Now that's kind of an extreme case, but you do want to get a sense of your own rhythm. What's a normal rhythm for you? And then just kind of looking at your life stage and changes of events and kind of, you know, what's going on. Now I mentioned that for a lot of people, it's really hard to be in your body because you're in your head. And so even to evaluate that, it can be really challenging for some people. And if that's you, you know, then that's totally cool. But that's kind of the gist of like maybe where to start. Um, I want to go back to one thing that you said before, Christine, I know you want to jump in. The example that you gave, um, I don't think that's an extreme case at all because I think that's every single client that comes to me. <laughs> Especially to you, Dana. Especially like, to me, yeah. All the yeah. Oh, man. So true. I do not yeah. even with me too. And you know what I was thinking about when you were talking about how we have all these like the the internal drive that you that you talked about earlier on that's like kind of like this inherent, like we don't know where it's coming from kind of thing. And we have to meet all these things. And then there's this guilt and like shame, like guilt around not achieving them and stuff like that. And then I was thinking too, like, man, you tack on someone who's not eating enough. Like, oh right. gosh, you right. know, like. And you think exactly. that you are and like you're tacking on like I'm not eating enough. So not only are you like you're you're not recharging your battery, but every meal you're not eating enough and every meal you're skipping, every calorie you're counting is literally not replenishing your battery at all. And quite frankly, taking away from it, because if we want to go into the science of it, we know that it takes energy to make energy if we're not giving it from a biochem standpoint. And so then it's like, you're just like taking like every meal that you're not replenishing yourself and not giving enough, you're literally taking away from your battery. And I'm just, I was thinking about that for all of our listeners out there, like you're tired. And the first thing you can start doing is eating, please just start eating. Like, immediately like immediately start eating and like don't do the stupid diet that you read or like you know throw back to 17 magazine where you were told to like eat 1200 calories like 
everything if you took nothing from what crystal just laid out for us and so like like in like a beautiful like you need to do like large stadium talks about this <laughs> like a TED talk like hello guys this is everything that's wrong right. <laughs> like, right the main thing that like I get from this is if you don't start eating and taking care of yourself you're just digging yourself further and further and further into this depleted battery and then um, unfortunately we don't have another cell phone <laughs> this, mm-hmm. is, this, this is the only one yeah <laughs> this is the only one we got we can't right. go to Apple and buy a new one. So you better take right. care of your battery. Well, there's right. there's a trifecta there as well, right? Like, are you eating enough? If you're listening to this podcast, probably not. Um, but then also, like, even if you think that you are eating enough, if you are chronically in sympathetic dominance or stress, you are not absorbing everything that you are eating. And then the other part is, like Crystal mentioned before, the stress, the physiological stress process in the body is extremely depleting. And the longer that you are in that stress process, the longer that your energy is being used up, the longer that a ton of your vitamins and minerals are being used up specifically for that stress process, which means those can't go to all the other wonderful things that you need your body to do and that you're asking your body to do on top of that if you're going for a run or, you know, taking care of your kids or doing all these other things. And then on top of that, which leads back to the under eating part, is if you Google diet for adrenal fatigue or diet for burnout, there is so much bullshit out there about like cut carbohydrates or like cut fats or like cut blah, 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 and like eliminate all of these things. And it's like, but we've just talked about how you need to be adding more (laughs) because the more that you restrict, the increased uh, pressure on your fight or flight system and the more depleted you're becoming. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think like that whole um, living from the neck up is, is again, like so common, so typical, so not your fault. If you're realizing that's kind of your, your, you know, mode of operation, but that is going to lead you to think you need to track calories, track macros, follow a plan instead of just like it intuitively sort of feeling from your body am I hungry? Am I still hungry? Even though I just ate, do I need more? Do I need less? What do I need? And it's such a fundamental question. What do I need? You know, we'll, we'll come back to why I think that's so important, but yeah, like doing, are you doing things because you are desperately trying to figure out what you quote unquote should do? Or do you feel like, you know, you can listen to your body's messages and just give it what it needs. And I think that for most people, because there has been no prior education that you do need a guide of some sort, you know, you need someone that's got the orientation that Dana and Christina has, or, you know, the, the work that I do, there's professionals that can really give you the tools to help you get to a place where you can do this more independently. So if it's kind of overwhelming to you, then, you know, you know, just hold on to your hat there. Um, but this listening to your body wisdom is what I've called the somatic attunement method. And it's, it's got three parts. And one part is the physiology that Dana was talking about. <clears throat> because if you are checking in with yourself, and you're asking, you know, you close your body, I mean, you close your eyes, you, you know, take a breath, and you just kind of try to ground inside yourself. So your attention isn't running 10,000 miles an hour with your thoughts or attuning to your external environment, it's inside. And you ask just what physical sensations do I feel right now? That's, that's it. Just what am I feeling? And you practice naming what you feel. Is it anxiety? Well, what does anxiety feel like? Is it swirling? Is it in your chest? Is it on the surface of your chest? Is it deep? Is it yellow? Is it black? Is it white? Are there words? Are there images? Like what are sensations? That's an example um, of of all kinds of things. It's a myriad of things that you could be feeling, right? Um, From there, you know, it could be that if your physiology is really unbalanced, that you're going to be more likely to feel some of these uncomfortable sensations for longer periods of time. And that's where you need someone to do clinical testing or someone to take a bigger picture look at what's going on. Um, because there's, you know, no amount of exercise or diet change or mindfulness that is going to change something that medically or biologically is really um, off for you. 
So the physiology is an important piece of the somatic attunement method. Um, then you have, um, you know, somatic work, like learning to relate to your body, learning to manage your nervous system state. And, you know, it's the thing I hate about the self-care. Mm, I don't know, even know what to call it. What do we call it? Just the self-care crap that's out there is because you don't have time to go do an hour long yoga class or, you know, any of the things that you're going to see from a Google search. They're too cliche. They're too generic. And what you may need actually, maybe it's just one minute long, but you need to do it 15 times a day or less, maybe five times a day. Right. But learning to befriend your body and listen to your body and be in your body and respond to what your body feels is just so, so important. It's a friendship that you have the rest of your life. It's the only one <laughs> that will be there until the end, you know? Um, and then, you know, the last part of that is really like unwinding this cultural, the cultural and identity component so that you can be free, free of that. How liberating to be truly free of that and use a strategic approach. So, um, yeah. And when, when it comes to your relationship with your body image, with your um, being embodied and not having, you know, negative embodiment where your body gives you a message, but then you criticize it or you question it or you judge it. Oh my goodness. It is so freeing. It's like a new, it's like a new chance at life just to, to let go of that, you know? You know, I was thinking, um, <clears throat> speaking of the the body image piece and stuff like that too, and you mentioned something earlier, intuitive, which a lot of our listeners know a lot about, about intuitive eating and everyone's around that and stuff. And so much of what you described in this somatic attunement method is intuitive, right? Like in getting reacquainted with your intuitive self, right? But what was interesting about it that I think like me and Dana and you all have in common is intention, right? You're intuitively like reestablishing your relationship with your body and listening to what it has to say. And then the behaviors that you're doing in reaction of that are intentional. You know, it's, it's like, yes, I'm intuitively listening to what my body's asking. I'm checking in with my body wisdom, my body battery. What is it telling me that I need? And then I'm then taking that and saying, okay, what tools are in my toolbox that I can intentionally, thoughtfully, and strategically use to help replenish my battery, replenish my nutritional stores? What do I need? And being able to really answer that question with, with thoughtful intention. And you can't do that when you have, for lack of a better word, gobbledygook, <laughs> you know, taking up your space in your brain, telling you what you should and shouldn't be doing instead of going like what me and Dana talk about with neutral nutrition. When you look at it from a truly neutral standpoint, answering the question of what do I need can become really intentional and intuitive at the same time. But when you have all this junk that you're mudding through, you're then, you know, you're, you're not hearing the natural signs of your body and how to respond to them because then you're, you're getting influenced by a bunch of crap out there. That's telling you, well, your body's, my body's saying I need to rest, but my, the roles that women play in my life are telling me that I need to get off my ass and go, go, go and put my makeup on before I leave the house and do all these things. And I have to do that. I have to go to the gym and I have to, you know, fit into my Lulu's and like all of the things. Right. And then the other part of you is like that internal part is we ignore that, that sound, that heart self that's saying like, rest, rest, rest. And what I was telling my client, they were talking about, they have, they suffer with a pretty aggressive eating disorder. And they were talking about how that they feel like there's this, like this monster, like inside of them telling them to eat. And really they, they don't want to, and that they need to stop eating. And I told them, I was like, I think you need to talk to the monster. Like, like the monster's there to like, save you the monster is not a monster it's actually you like that's your heart your your soul everything about you it's like your body's effort of saying like 
no, I'm trying to save you. Like something else outside of you is telling you that I'm a monster, but I'm not the monster. Like I'm the one who's trying to take care of you. And like, when we talked about that, she was like, oh crap, <laughs> you know, like really? But I feel like everyone has like that, that their own version of that internal monster that's telling them like, go, go, go. You can't rest yet. Yes. Like, yeah, either you're not worthy or um, just no, no, you can't stop for sure. And I think, you know, like the, the cultural piece, the identity piece, the perfection paradox, as I call it, to simplify it. So we all know what I'm talking about, um, is a piece of what stokes, and this is true for men in a different way, but women into this kind of chronic state of stress. Like it is a level of stress that we are all coping with. And, 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 and being in survival mode, which is affecting the nervous system in a more sympathetically dominant way, where you're in that fight flight stage is a state of not feeling safe. It is a state of feeling in threat or danger. And so like the client that you just mentioned, if, you know, if we take polyvagal theory and we apply it to that, she is not potentially in a state of feeling safe. She doesn't feel um, eudaimonia, which is like in harmony and in peacefulness in her body or around the world. I mean, about the world around her. So when we're in you know, a survival state, we see the world as dangerous. We see others differently. We see ourselves differently. We're more critical of the work that we do what we're capable of, um, our will, quote unquote, willpower, this decision-making in general is depleted. And, and, you know, one piece of it is just finding some simple, simple tools in that tool bag that shift you into, even if it's a very temporary state, a feeling of safety, a feeling of calm, a feeling of neutrality is actually, you know, a, a great state to move into. But yeah. And, and so from that state, it's really hard to connect to your body. It's really hard to ask the question, what, what are my emotions and what do I feel physically? And really feel like you're getting that accurate response because the survival instincts are so heightened. And so, yeah, like simple, simple things that help you feel safe. And in regards to the monster, Oh, we all have a monster for sure. Um, kind of like coming from an internal family systems perspective, which is a, you know, psychological paradigm that's often used. It's in chapter six of my upcoming book. But, um, you know, I think for, for people to, to really take a second and think about what are the loudest voices when you have a sense of your body, which is like in your example, I'm hungry or I'm tired. I need to rest. And another voice inserts itself and says, no, you know, because X, Y, or Z, or even just makes you feel that sense of shame or guilt or unworthiness. Who is that? I mean, literally like label, I, I call them characters. And um, there's a Michigan author that I'm spacing on the name, but we can include it in the resources <laughs> um, that really draws caricatures in a book that's illustrated and it's excellent for people to look at because it's kind of funny. Like we all have a happy pig, for example, that wants to lay on the couch with the pizza box <laughs> and the whatever, you know, the beer or the wine or like, you know, whatever. Um, we all have that part of ourselves that needs to be able to be a happy pig sometimes. Um, or, you know, if it's your, um, you know, your mother figure or, your fitness instructor or your nutritionist or like who is who has the barrage of negative comments that is is speaking to you in that moment it's so helpful to actually name it as a character um, or even you know the word monster is fine because you're identifying it as something that is not you it's not you you're whole and you are complete and you are you know this just incredible being and inside you is also these stories that, that you can identify, objectify, and then recognize them when they're there. Like, oh, that is my fill in the blank character. 
thank you for trying to alert me. And I don't really need your help right now. I'm good. And I'm just going to go back to listening to my body. And what happens when we actually become aware and then just very simply name what you feel, like name what's happening right now, is that you expand your ability to tolerate it, even if it's for a microsecond. And just to find a sense of neutrality, like I can be here in this moment, this thought, this feeling of the monster isn't going to swallow me whole. You know, it's not going to kill me. I can be here with it. It expands the tolerance, the window. And from there, you can turn around and look at it and talk back. You know, you can expand your capacity. Now, over time, you have that same experience and it's not as exhausting. Your stress hormones don't go up as much. You have more resourcefulness in that just moment of a pause where you can respond in a way that might actually diminish its presence or, you know, deplete, uh, slow down the depletion of your body battery. If you have that monster experience continuously throughout the day, right? It's probably not just once. It's probably the loudest voice that shows up when you get dressed and when you eat and when you decide to exercise or not. And when you relate, you know, you're doing something with your friends, it's there, you know, probably a lot, um, you know, finding a way to move in that spectrum from identifying what it is to noticing when it is there to when it is there, noticing it and staying there and just trying to stay grounded and breathing and then moving into with the right tools, responding to it in a way that's kind to yourself, that is honoring the intentionality that Christine is talking about, which I think so many of us don't have a vision or an intention, right? Because I never grew up with anybody ever mentioning that or talking about it. Um, so, you know, maybe that will be something that um, we'll do for your Patreon members, uh, a little guided practice that would really help them establish that. Um, but yeah, so I'm really sorry about the client with that feeling. And also there's so many tools that can help just free that. So it's a distant memory or a neutral friend that literally I talk to my clients that you have a couch in an attic is here in your mind. And, you know, you can only have like three to five characters on the couch. And if you have the monster on there all the time, there's no room for your friend or, you know, these other positive characters that would say, Hey, Hey, let's take a second here. Let's listen to your body. What is it saying? Is it saying it's hungry? Well, let's give it a chance. Why don't you take two bites and see, let's go from there. Right. Like something that helps you stay present, whoever those characters are, you know, switching them out. Which is why therapy is so amazing when you're doing this work. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of the therapists that I work with, um, with Spill Love Psychotherapy are IFS trained. And so yes. and we specialize in eating disorders. And so it's a really beautiful marry for the exact reasons that Crystal's laying out because there are these different pieces. Like there's like your own little internal manager who's like trying to take care of yes. everything for you and like all these different pieces. And when you can... Kind of start to see that there are these characters or these caricatures like you're talking about you can kind of interact with them in a whole new way and it makes it feel less like um engulfing you know each one feels less like it's taking over you and it's more of like hey old friend I'm not exactly gonna i'm not gonna party with you today Right. That's cool. And then it's like, as me and Dana talk about in the body image audit, it's a lot easier than to bring in your inner best friend and being able to come back and saying, Hey, I'm going to talk to you more casually and more compassionately because we now have room at the sofa, you know? And mm -hmm. so if we don't make room on the sofa and because it's engulfed with the monster, um, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a less pleasant party. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? it's too much. It's, it's too, too much. much. And especially, I'm glad this came up because especially as we talk about moving into the holidays and potentially uh, being around family members that you haven't seen or that provoke, you know, some of these old stories about yourself. I mean, that is so common and so normal. Um, these, these practices, these concepts that we're talking about will really, really help you through that. 
Um, you know, but even just really taking a moment now to think about your capacity, right? Like what is the stress level that you've been under? What is the energy level that you've brought to the past few weeks? Where are you at? You know, like if you give it uh, a zero to 100 sort of percentage, you know, how, um, how much of a capacity do you have? Like a really big picture. And then you think about what's going to happen in the month ahead. Like what are all the things you could even like brain dump it out, you know, whatever holiday you celebrate, what's involved with that um, decoration, hosting, gifting, et cetera, travel, Um, And what do you really have the capacity for and, and really come to it, think about who should be on your couch as you make those plans, who needs to be right next to you to challenge your typical patterns of overestimating your capacity and underestimating how draining all of those things are going to be. And don't forget, you know, the physiology here that alcohol and not enough sleep and change in routine is depleting. And will affect your your body's ability to be resilient to stress. But, you know, just to really think about that and maybe approach this upcoming holiday in a way that you haven't before, where you're thinking, I want to have enough. I don't just want to barely get by or deplete myself and expend more than I have to give. But I really want to get to and, you know, be intentional at the end of the holiday season and have remaining energy. You know, I don't want to feel resentful because I've given so much to everybody else and I've given more than I've received. Um, you know, so I think that I'd love to hear your your thoughts on on that for your listeners. But I think that really brings us to kind of thinking about the holidays ahead and how to apply these. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to the visual of the couch because that seems so cozy to me. And when I think of a monster invading that space, I'm like, get out of my reading nook with all my books and things I like. But then I also think of, you know, if people are struggling having a visual, if you've ever seen the Pixar movie Inside Out, this is what I was thinking of the whole time when you were saying that. And I was like, oh, look, there's anger and there's sadness and there's fear. And like, there's all these other things, right? But it's so interesting because, you know, when we talk about the concept of safety in the nervous system, right? When in our childhood and growing up, when we are in unsafe situations, we're trying to figure out what is the thing that will give me some grasp of control. And for some people, it's eating disorders. For some people, it's making a to-do list and trying to like productivity their way out of something to give their self a semblance of control. So when we feel like we're getting really burned out and we're over capacity, one of the coping tools may be, oh, well, if I can just productivity my way out of this, then I'll be able to, you know, and have some aspect of safety and recovery and all of the things. But we know that doesn't work. Um, And especially if you're listening to a lot of these different inside out characters and they're like, well, if you just do more, if you just fulfill all these roles, then you'll feel better because the people pleaser side of us comes out. And all of these different aspects can be so complicated because when we're listening to those voices or when we listen to the, you know, cultural phenomenon of this perfection paradox of like, oh, if we just do all the things, I'll feel better. But we've talked about how you're already operating from a diminished capacity and throwing another wrench into the equation is like I work with a lot of people with a lot of hormonal imbalances gut imbalances and then burnout as well because it's kind of a trifecta there but a lot of those people one of the reasons that they got to this point was because they can't identify or they have a lot of trouble identifying like I feel stressed right they don't really have that identifying factor in their body. So by the time they come to me, they're at the bottom of the barrel of their capacity and zero resilience and everything like that. So I'd love if you could talk about a little bit more when you're speaking about, okay, let's let's examine our body battery. Like, are we exhausted physically? Are we exhausted emotionally? Are we exhausted mentally? For the people that have a lot of trouble identifying that, can you give them some context clues or things to look for of like, okay, if you don't identify as like, I'm a really stressed person, which like a lot of us do, but if you don't, (laughs) what are the cues that you can look for? 
Awesome question. So I think first, just kind of to put it straight out there that if push through, just get it done, just suck it up, buttercup, just do what it takes. Like if these are all of your internal scripts, um, it's very common. And also that's a trauma response. If it is what you're doing all the time, if you think about every segment of your life phases and you're like, yep, that's how I got through that. Yep. That's how I got through that. Yep. That's how I got through that. And I'm still doing that. Then yeah, we're all raising our hands, by the way. Um, then that's a trauma response. And that is a big reason why it's really hard for you to understand what's happening in your system, right? When you've been overriding your body for such a long period of time, you lose the ability to understand. Just like uh, in junior high, I knew French. And in high school and college, I knew Spanish. But now I know very little, right? I just became out of touch. Um, so, you know, your own body wisdom works in the same way. So first it's always this, like bringing you to the point of like, Hey, it is not your fault that it's hard for you to understand what your body is feeling, what does stress feel like? And for most of us, there is just such a huge unrealistic load. And we have kind of a, if you identify with a type a personality, that dopamine is delicious. I mean, it's a sexy feeling, right? Hey, I'm going to make that to-do list and I'm going to check it off. I am going to say yes to that thing, to that person that they asked me to do, even though I don't have any time in my calendar to do that because I get a dopamine hit of validation when I do that. Um, you know, I'm going to control my lifestyle, my eating and my exercise in a certain way because the sense of control gives me dopamine and that is ooh, so pleasurable. Um, and it's a way of living, but it's not a way of thriving. It's not a way of getting you to like the end goal in like feeling fully intact in your body. And so the check-in skill is what I recommend that you're kind of pointing to Dana and, you know, really like, okay, get a piece of paper out, you know, friends, and I want you to have a pen or use your notes app. And, you know, I want you to literally, you know, kind of write this out. How do you want to feel physically? And most people want to feel comfortable. They just want to be comfortable in their body. They want to be able to move their body. They want to have the energy to do what they want with their body. Um, they want to, you know, feel energized. <clears throat> and then um, emotionally, how do you want to feel? And most people want to feel, you know, grounded, centered. Um, they want to feel joyful, contentment. They want to feel grateful. You know, those are really kind of peaceful states in general. And most of us would agree that we, we really like to feel that way more of the time. And in fact, all of this work that we're pushing ourselves through is to get to this, you know, enigma unicorn situation where somehow that's on the other side, but that's a lie, right? We, we have to find states of that now. And then, you know, mentally, how do you want to feel? Most of us want to feel mentally clear, creative and focused, you know, and not in a state of brain fog and, and dullness and, you know, mental fatigue. And so first, I think it's helpful just to kind of get a sense of what are these states? How does my body have these three different sort of layers of being or sets of sensation that I think listeners can connect to this sort of, you know, intentional, like intentionality of a check-in, like what is desirable for you? That's probably the easiest place to start. And then the next place is like, well, where am I at right now? And most people, if you ask your body, like what sensations do I feel physically? You're checking in, not from your head. You're actually, you know, not thinking or forcing an answer. You're waiting for a sensation to make itself present to notice it, just to observe what's happening in this moment. And this is where the women I work with would say, oh yeah, I always have headaches. I'm like, yep, I don't care what happened yesterday. I just want to know right now, what do you feel in your body? And most people are really good at feeling pain first. Pain, pain is a, it's a loud sensation. And most of us have a lot of pain because we're ignoring and not able to hear the messages that are precursors to pain that might clue us to make a change to prevent that. But there's a lot of sensations there other than pain. 
maybe there's warmth or coolness or tightness or a sense of expansion somewhere in the body. And you think about, you know, the head area, the throat area, the chest area, the belly. Oh, so many clients, when we get to the belly, they're like, there's nothing there. I feel nothing. Or there's a lot there. Oh my goodness. There's a lot there. And that's their source of body wisdom is actually like almost like on the left side of the lower belly, right? Like people have a place in the belly that is really powerful or they cut it off so much that they have no sensation at all. And then, you know, normal sensations like in the shoulders, in the arms, in the legs of tension or coldness, you know, expansiveness, those kinds of sensations. So there's a lot of things you could feel physically, and that's probably the easiest place for you to start. And the key here is just to start asking the question. I'm checking in with my body. What sensations are here right now? And then there's emotional, your emotional, you know, layer, the emotional check-in is to try to name sensations of emotions that you feel. And it's not as important that you can say, is is this grief or is this sadness or is this anxiety or is this anticipation, right? We don't have to really be so good at those things, but whatever the emotion is, what are the sensations, right? Is it a heaviness or a lightness? Where is it in your body? Like, for example, you know, right now I feel, um, I feel some physical fatigue, like around my eyes and my head, I feel um, the emotions I feel are excitement because I'm here with, you know, people that I've known for years and excited to be here with you listeners, a part of this experience. I also feel some sadness because I'm leaving for the weekend and I won't be with my girls. And so we can feel opposing things. We can feel happy and sad at the same time. Um, and, you know, and then there's that, um, that mental state you check in literally like between your ears, around your eyebrows, in your forehead, temple area behind your eyes. Like if I gave you a complicated math problem or literature, could you read it and summarize? Like, how is your brain functioning? Are you crisp, clear, creative, focused and energized in your mind? Or are you feeling more kind of dull, lethargic, foggy, slow in your mind? And so literally with my clients, I, I write out, you know, physical, emotional, and mental and have them work on writing words out. And what you'll find is there's a pattern. You have a pattern. More, more 80% of the time, you probably have the same sort of sensations going on, but it's a spectrum of intensity that goes up and down of those. And then you want to notice what other things you tend to feel and in what situations you know, with the holidays coming up, if you kind of know your baseline check-in, then when someone says, hey, cousin so-and-so is going to be there, can you pick up grandma and do this thing and bring a dish? And, you know, and you start to feel these sensations moving in your body. You don't have to know what they are, but you can say, whoa, what's that? Right. And then you can check in with your body. And maybe that is a clue that your body is telling you that's not for you. Like that's going to exceed your capacity that this is a sensation of stress. And just to kind of start to ask that question now, like, what am I feeling? And that's going to lead you to more discernment when you really need it. When you're like, okay, I'm feeling something out of the norm. What, how can I respond to this? Or, you know, someone gives you a request or you're even dealing with your own expectations. You know, ah, I said I was going to do X, Y, and Z, but I really am noticing my body is telling me that that is too much because I'm feeling sensations, you know, here, here, and here. And that's all I need. That's the only reason I need. And I don't have to validate it or say I'm sorry or anything. I can just say, oh, I thought I could do that, but I can't silence. When you ask the question, how do I want to feel? And we go through the physical and the emotional and the mental, like you lay out, I think a lot of times what can happen, especially when it comes to the physical, we associate the physical with an appearance, um, at the same time. And I think like when they say, like, I want to feel lighter, they, they associate that with being smaller. And then that's when you get distracted 
and you get tagged on to these types of control dieting type of behaviors because it feels like you're answering the how do I want to feel with a productive action item, right? Like, okay, I want to feel lighter and feel good in my body. I'm going to try to lose weight so I don't feel sluggish and whatever because we've associated that with being a different body size where it's interesting, like that's not really how it works as we know, we talk about on this podcast all the time. And what's even more frustrating about it now that you've been laying out the different areas of how do I want to feel and being checking in with your body, what an, an awful distraction that is from you to being able to intuitively and then intentionally answer what you need, you know, and being able to check in with yourself so that you can say, to cousin Bobby, like, sorry, I thought I, no, not even sorry, gosh, can't even help myself to say, just to say, I thought I could do that, but I can't, you know, or yes. no, I'm not going to do your diet with you. <laughs> yes. And I, I realize with you Thank saying you for this, your comments, but no, thanks. Right. <laughs> you know? Yes. Oh, that's such a big one. Oh my goodness. No one is allowed to comment on your body for the holidays. <laughs> and if they do, please, I give you permission to set a boundary and just say, you know, I know your, your intentions are good, but I really don't need any comments about my body. I mean, I'm oh busy my God. that day. I'm not available for this comment. <laughs> yes. I was thinking about something to say for my clients to say, and I'll share it here too. It's like my body's, in the, my body's not up for discussion today. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. Like just, it's just not up for discussion. Thank you. Yep. Neutral. Yep. <laughs> But I realized with what you were saying, Christina, that I um, kind of left off the productivity. I kind of like, I was really feeling it, guys. I was really talking and sharing and kind of went off rails from what Dane asked me. But, you know, I think that hopefully it makes sense that how much you can do and how much energy you have is going to change. It's going to change from the morning to the afternoon to the evening, from day to day week to week and season of life to season of life, depending on how stress resilient you are. And that is based on how well you're able to listen to your body's messages and respond appropriately. So if your body is constantly saying, I'm depleted, you're pushing me too hard. I don't have what I need to do this, which is, you know, sleep, nutrition and recovery then it's going to be giving you messages of depletion. And if you continue to ignore that and you try to push through, you will be in burnout. And just so listeners know, the literature shows that burnout recovery takes an average of two to three years. Like it's not like this cliche, like, oh, burnout, ha ha. No, it's a serious, you know, medical, physiological and emotional experience that you don't want to push yourself to actually get to that. Place. And if you're already there, you critically need to, you know, really go back and start at the beginning of this episode and listen again and take some notes and decide what's the one, one baby step that you can start with from all the things that we've talked about so that you can start to, you know, get out of that place. Um, but yeah, I used to lead a mindful eating group program and everyone, you know, interestingly that came to it, uh, wanted to lose weight or wanted to better manage an eating disorder. And so I would start with this, like, how do you want to feel? And it was all of their responses were always related to a body image. And that was it. And, and it was a, it's a huge change, a huge mindset shift. And it's so freeing to realize that in this body that you have, you can feel how you want to feel no matter what weight or shape or size or whatever. So if you want to feel stronger, you can do that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it does not matter what you weigh. You can be incredibly strong. If you want to feel more emotionally grounded and centered and peaceful and content, you, you can have that now. And, you know, your mental capacity, same thing. Um, you know, you can have all of those embodied experiences of yourself when you start paying attention to what you're experiencing and what helps you feel that way or pushes you away from it and then start to make decisions that are discerning to move you more towards that place. And what you'll find interestingly is it's not by controlling 
your food and your exercise and your social activity and how much you people please. Those are the things that actually move you further away from it. And, you know, for each of us, our, our born right, our inherent, you know, gift is that we're whole and we already have, you know, there's no earning it. There's no like doing anything to be worthy of feeling how you want to feel in your body. All you have to do is be brave enough to try something different, recognize the perfection paradox and how that has influenced you and start to adopt some of these other, you know, body wisdom type of practices to break those patterns. And any change happens because we're aware and then we have a pause and then we do something different. And so listeners, I hope that you can, you know, simplify that's the formula. You can have anything (laughs) you want using that right there. Oh my gosh, Crystal. Thank you. This was awesome. I feel like I'm so excited for your book and you'll have to let us know when it's completely out and ready and done. I think you said sometime in the spring, late winter, early springtime, you think it's going to be? Yeah, hopefully uh, the goal is um, before the end of February. And for the listeners, the name is Revive the Working Woman's Unexpected Guide to Recovering from Burnout. Amazing. And um, we'll share it on all of the places when it's done. Um, And hopefully we can have you back on to talk about the book specifically. I mean, this would be amazing. I feel like for everybody listening, I'm sure (laughs) even if you don't like, um, like, don't feel like you're in burnout, like Crystal just said, and you just feel like, oh, um, I got a lot from this episode. I want you to, everybody has, um, is being tasked with going back, listening, taking, <laughs> taking notes and thinking about ways that they can start to do something small for themselves, because I know every single person listening could benefit from even just one small tweak that we've talked about, even if it is reminding yourself in that moment saying like, Hey, my desire to do this diet is a distraction and being just even just saying that to yourself or even just checking in and saying, how do I want to feel and say, who's influencing that, you know, that thought pattern and being able to answer that question for yourself and taking those two minutes, God knows we all could, we all deserve two minutes of our time to check in with ourselves. And so thank you, Crystal, for reminding all of us (laughs) of that and telling us like how we can do it. And how it can be really strategic and how it can lead us to feeling exactly how we want to feel in the body that we have and that we don't have to change it in order to get that. Yeah. And listeners, if you don't want to go back and listen all the way to the episode, we are going to continue our conversation on our deep dive level on Patreon. So as soon as Crystal plugs all of her things, you can go and listen to that as well. Awesome. So I, I want to just kind of say um, for everyone that if you do identify with, you know, being in or in the brink of burnout, that the key for you is to do less, not more. And triple time, especially since because we're going into the holiday and you're going to have extra pressures on you, less, not more. And if, if that is a relief for you and you're feeling like, okay, great but what needs to go Then I have a very simple PDF resource for you called the stress and overwhelm relief game plan. And it, it lists six things that you can take off and guide you how to do that. And it's very simple to follow. Um, and then two days later, you get a video, a very short video kind of talking you through energy pacing. Like how do you do energy pacing? So if that's something that sounds helpful for you, you can find that on my website at crystalfrizzy.com. We'll keep you updated for when the book is coming out. I would love for you to grab a copy and share it with a friend because my mission is to help women in the burnout cycle and, of course, break the perfection paradox for ourselves and all the generations to come. And um, I think at the time this is going to come out, end of November, It's a little tight, but I would love to have you check out Burn Bright for the holidays. It's a four-week group program, a really low affordable investment where I just want to be able to provide live coaching support for all the women that need it to help them manage energy and all these pressures that we've been talking about. Um, You can read more about it at 
crystalfrizzy.com slash holidays. Yay. Thank you so much. This was really invaluable. Like so many action steps, so many takeaways. And I feel like a warm hug after just listening to this episode. (laughs) Hey friends, it's Dana. And thanks for listening to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your family and friends, subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and if you can, we would absolutely love it if you left a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps spread the word so more people can find the show and learn how to break out of diet culture, the body image spiral, and find a more peaceful relationship with food in their bodies with wholehearted eating. If you're interested in learning more about how you can work with me or Christina for one-on-one nutrition counseling or checking out our self-paced courses, head over to wholeheartedeating.com, and we'll see you again here next week.